Hello there and welcome into another edition of the Intersection Podcast with conversation highlights from the Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. First up, when a family member passes away and that remaining spouse, while working through the grief process, is left with raising their children, it can place a tremendous burden on that spouse. Such is the story of Melissa Swain. You'll be hearing from her as she shared with me about the loss in her life and God's faithfulness in sustaining their family. Material from that conversation is ahead. And Tim Kimmel of Grace Space Families and Michael Tooker of Scottsdale Bible Church in Arizona take you into the workplace and discuss exercising God's grace in a person's posture toward his or her work. And that transcends merely a paycheck. And coming up on this edition of The Intersection, you'll be hearing from Jerry Newcomb of Providence Forum, an arm of D. James Kennedy Ministries. He returned to the Meeting House recently to discuss two recent works, one that deals with religious freedom and the founding of America, coinciding nicely with the Thanksgiving season. Another focuses on the significance of Christ coming into the world. You'll be hearing material from that conversation ahead. Finally, Rebecca Friday refers to herself as an unlikely missionary, but her life story certainly reflects an obedience to do what God has directed her to do, wherever she is called to do it. You'll be hearing comments from a yielded heart ahead. This is the intersection of production of The Meeting House, and I'm Bob Crittenden. Melissa Swain's late husband served on a church staff in the Nashville area, a church that attracted national attention for how God was bringing revival to that congregation. In the aftermath of her husband Chris's sudden death, Melissa continued to pick up the pieces even while raising their children. He and she authored the book, Write It on Their Hearts, Practical Help for Discipling Your Kids, with comments especially relevant for the Christmas season. Here now is Melissa Swain. Our neighbors found Chris unresponsive, um, and he never regained consciousness after that. Um, but we, we didn't know what was about to happen. We, we had no idea, um, but immediately we were able to see the Lord's hand um, because the kids and I were a 10-hour drive away um, but the Lord orchestrated things for us to get home that night, um, and that was that was a miracle in itself. And we just saw thing one thing after another where the Lord had gone before us, where we were reminded that hey, this was not a surprise to God. The rest of us were really surprised by everything that was happening, but He was not, and He was with us, and it. There were so many things. I, I had to begin writing. As a writer, that's, that's how I process things. And so I just began having to write down all of the ways that I was mm-hmm. seeing the Lord's goodness and faithfulness in the middle of all of this, because it would have been so easy to forget or to choose not to see. And so that is one of the things that I am I am so grateful that the Lord has continued even even this week, you know, there there are things that have happened in our lives that I'm like, you know, God, you're going to have to take care of that. And, and he always steps in and still is taking care of us and looking out for us and providing for us. Describe, if you would, the holiday season for you last year as you've seen God's faithfulness and drawn near to God. But Tell me what it was like for you and perhaps some words of encouragement you could give to our listeners that may be experiencing something very similar this year. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that one of the things that it's important for us to remember that even though God is faithful, we know that we can trust in Him. That doesn't mean that it's easy. So there were some really tough moments for us last year, and I know there are going to be those moments again this year, and that's okay. That God is with us even even in the middle of that. You know, my family is very large, and uh, we lost my brother a few years ago. And one of the things that my mom and my family that we've we've all committed to do is that we speak Aaron's name. We we talk about him. We remember him. When we think of something that Aaron would have said. We say it out loud, and it's, and we do the same with Chris. When I see my son doing something that reminds me of him, um, I, I can smile to myself and say, oh, you're doing that just like your daddy. And he may not even know that he's doing something like his dad, but we, um, we make it a, a point, and it's hard, and it, it, it is hard, but we make it a point that when we think of our loved one, when we think about Chris and we think about Aaron and, and something comes to mind, we say it. We say it out loud. Do you believe that there are special, unique opportunities during the holidays to disciple your kids? And if you, if you believe that, share with me, if you would, maybe one or two ways that parents could actually be dedicated to doing that during even this holiday season? Yeah, I mean, our plates are so full before we ever sit down for a holiday meal, right? We (laughs) run like crazy during this season with sports and practices and school programs and all that kind of stuff. But one of the we want to make sure that we are not neglecting our kids' spiritual lives and, and ours as well. And so it really doesn't take extra time out of your day or your schedule to spend a little bit of intentional time with your kids every day. And, you know, you can, even when you're in the car together, um, you can practice thanking God out loud for things large and small throughout the day. Make it, write a challenge for yourself. Hey, we're going to, everybody's going to pick three things to be thankful for today. And you can talk about that in the car. You can talk about that at the dinner table. Um, I saw one of our student pastors at our church suggested taking a poster board and writing it on your putting it on your back door or whichever door you come in and out of your house on and writing something on there every day, everybody in the family, mom and dad too. Um, So they're very simple things. You know, you can um, choose a verse on thankfulness um, and memorize it together. Um, And not in a stressful way. Like, you know, if you don't know this, you're in trouble. No, like you're encouraging one another and helping each other along. Um, I would also say that you could, Set a family goal of some kind um, and discuss an area of struggle. Hold each other accountable. Melissa Swain here on The Intersection. You can learn more through the website, writeitontheirhearts.com. Well, I had the opportunity recently to catch up with Tim Kimmel, founder and executive director of Grace-Based Families, as well as Michael Tooker, who is on the pastoral staff at Scottsdale Bible Church in Arizona. They have co-authored a book entitled Grace at Work, The Secret to Getting More from Your Job Than a Paycheck. With some insight now, here are Tim Kimmel and Michael Tooker. We recognize that we can't get to God on our own. Only His grace had to intervene in our life. But my observation was that we seem to limit or confine God's work of grace to salvation. But 
but then when we move on into the the Christian life, it was more of a performance. It was just uh, jumping through hoops, trying to make sure we're pleasing God. We don't want to uh, we we don't want to lose His love. We if we do right things, we might get more of His love. And everything I just said is not in the Bible. You you can't lose His love. It, it's not based on how you behave. You can't get more of it because He's already given you all of it. And and so what we observed is that the grace that God saved us with, he always meant to wash over us and to completely retrofit us and redefine mm. us and become the the default mode of how we deal with the people up close to us. But that wasn't the way the Christian life is. And so when we started looking at this thing, what does this look like in family? And I, and I wrote the book, uh, Grace-Based Parenting. What was so interesting is how much pushback I almost immediately got from the Christian from a lot of the leadership of the Christian movement when I wrote that book. Wow. And, and yeah, it was pushback. And with things, I mean, pastors would say, you know, they've, they, I've been invited in to speak at their church and they say, I got, I just got to tell you, this whole discussion of you, uh, grace in the family makes me nervous. And I said, really, God's grace makes you nervous. And, but I knew exactly where they were coming from. And the reason they, they were nervous is because they were thinking that, that it's the standard pushback I get is they think grace means letting people get away with murder, letting people mm -hmm. do whatever they mm -hmm. want. There are no consequences. There are no boundaries. There's no discipline and all that. Well, and, and, and all that validates, and I want to say this kindly to anybody listening who is nodding their head saying, yeah, I know what they're talking about. See, when we think that way, all that says is we don't get biblical grace. We don't get it. Mm -hmm. Because if we got it, we'd never assume that. Because, see, first of all, God's dealing with all of us in grace, right? Jesus is dealing with us present tense in grace, correct? But he didn't mm. erase all the any of the boundaries. He didn't throw the rule book overboard. He didn't say there's no no more con. Uh, there's there, there's no consequences. There's no condemnation, but there's no there's still consequences. Them whom God loves, He disciplines, right? So, so grace. Uh, Grace doesn't mean any of the stuff that we've applied to it. Uh, that that's grace. God's grace played out in our life is simply us giving somebody something they desperately need but don't necessarily deserve. Mm. That's what God did for you and me, and yeah. He wants us to do that in our the people up close to us, our, our our family and all. Well, guess what? We work the 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 other people that we're closest to besides our spouse and our kids. And our grandkids are the people we work with. And they both have something in common. Other than our spouse, we don't get to pick anybody, anybody in the family picture. We're stuck with them. <laughs> Same thing at work. <laughs> We're stuck with them. We can defriend, we can unfriend, we can go to a different church, we can pick a different hobby if we don't, if the people creep us out. But we're stuck with the people we work with and the people in our family picture. And God says, and that's exactly who I'm calling you to love. Well, that's I think exactly. one of the one of the great things about that, Tim, the way you describe that is we don't, while we don't get to choose them, we do get to choose how we interact with them. Exactly. Absolutely. And, yeah. and, and Bob, one of the things that, that was so powerful for myself and my wife and so many people kind of in the, our sphere at our, our church was what Tim has, has effectively done through through the, the ministry, through grace-based parenting, grace-filled marriage, was was really codify this, this model of applied grace. And it effectively gives us a different operating system. So when I look at what happened to me, right, I had an operating system that was written by the world. And then what Tim did was he said, no, there's a different operating system. It's written by God. It's in God's word. It's through Jesus' life. 
uh, and right. So it, so try this operating system. And so that's really what we unpack in Grace at Work is what is that new operating system? Because we're all we're, we're all just awash in the world and all the messages of how are we supposed to do work and, and what's it supposed to bring to us? But but through this book, we say, no, no, no. There is, that is an operating system, and many people run on that. But as followers of Christ, here's the difference. This is Christ's operating system, God's operating system. Mm-hmm. And that's what really repatterns how we how we show up at work mm-hmm. and ultimately how we interact with all the people around us in our workplace. Michael Tooker and Tim Kimmel here on The Intersection. You can learn more through the website graceatworkbook.com. This is The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House, and you can learn more through meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. Through The Meeting House homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center. That's where you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on The Intersection Podcast and The Meeting House radio program. You can also find links to the podcast, to the Media Center, as well as its Apple Podcast feed, Plus, you can find links to video content, including recently added video clips from the Christian Product Expo Summer 2022 show in Lexington, Kentucky. Plus, through the Meeting House homepage, you'll find links to two blogs. One is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from the Meeting House. Also, there is the weekly post on The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. And you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, as well as the programming section at faithradio.org. Moving on now on this edition of the Intersection Podcast, it's the Executive Director of Providence Forum, an outreach of D. James Kennedy Ministries. His name is Jerry Newcomb. In a recent Meeting House conversation, he talked about two films in which he has been involved. One is A City on a Hill, dealing with the Puritan's journey to America. And there's What If Jesus Had Never Been Born, based on a book that he had written with the late D. James Kennedy about the influence of Jesus Christ and Christianity on the world. Here now from that Meeting House conversation is Jerry Newcomb. The book uses, in effect, as a springboard, the old film that's very popular at Christmas time, even now, uh, called um, It's a Wonderful Life, with Jimmy Stewart, made by Frank Capra and so forth, where this fellow feels like he, you know, he's very discouraged and he gets to see what life would be like had he never been born. And he realizes that he's actually had a positive impact and he would have left a gaping hole if he had never been born. Well, we thought, wow, what if you applied that thesis to Jesus Christ? I mean, look at look at the way Christ has impacted the world. I mean, you and I are having this conversation in the year of our Lord, 2022, meaning uh, 2,022 years after Jesus was born. I mean, that's, talk about influence in, in the world. Uh, education for the masses was created by Christians. The phenomenon of hospitals, not just individual specific hospitals. Oh, Luke, St. Luke's Presbyterian, uh, Holy Cross Hospital, Baptist Hospital. No, the the phenomenon of hospitals was created by Christians uh, for Christian purposes. You know, in the name of Jesus, all kinds of wonderful and positive things have been done through the centuries. And it was our goal to really kind of capture all that on film and just show, well, first in the book and then later on on the film. So what we do is we we basically divide human um, existence through different categories, the different areas where 
the Christian gospel has just made a tremendous difference. So human life, the value of human life. Well, Christ was born into a world where men who were slaves, and by the way, 50% of the Roman Empire were slaves, men were being conscripted to be forced to kill uh, others, you know, to fight unto the death in the gladiator contest. Uh, this was not voluntary. This was forced on you. And, and, you know, but Christ, through his church, ultimately changed that. They got the gladiator games to be dropped. Christ was born into a world in which babies were routinely thrown away if the father decided not to, um, uh, you know, allow this baby to live. And the babies were, were thrown away, and the Christians went around and saved, saved those babies and reared them in the Christian faith and ended up helping to change the Roman Empire uh, through that means and other means. Uh, charity was, uh, was virtually unknown. It was, an, it was very inhospitable as a world. But then Jesus tells a parable of the, the Good Samaritan, and he also talked about the, the sheep and the goats and, and said, when you give to the poor— it's as if you're giving to me when you give them food and, and uh, clothing and so forth. And uh, this revolutionized the whole realm of charity. When it comes to music and the arts, good grief, Christianity has, has had this huge and positive impact, uh, music and the arts. I mean, the most, most uh, painted and sculptured and, and re, you know, captured in art uh, death in, in all of the world is that of Jesus Christ, uh, you know, when he was crucified, because the crucifixion was such an important thing. He died for our sins in our place, paying a price we could never pay, paying a price he certainly did not owe, and through faith in him, we can be saved. And then he rose from the dead and, and so forth. But art and music reflects these things. Even the great composers, some of whom were secular uh, in a lot of their writings, and yet even... Most of them have really great Christian works amongst them, including, I mean, all the great ones, Mozart and, and uh, Bach and Beethoven and Brahms. Bach, by the way, dedicated everything he did to the glory of Jesus Christ. Every sheet music that he has, he would write on the very top of it, S-D-G, and then circle those, those initials, meaning soli deo gloria, to God alone be the glory. And... Uh, other areas include economics and even uh, government and civil liberties and science. That's a that's a kind of a shocker. But but it was um, modern science was born in the late Middle Ages and early part of the uh, Renaissance and Reformation era. And the reason why is because Christian believers who were you know endeavoring to to study the natural world that God had made, they felt that a nat a rational God had made a rational universe. Jerry Newcomb here on this edition of The Intersection. You can learn more through ProvidenceForum.org. Finally, on this edition of The Intersection podcast, here are comments from Rebecca Friday. She considers herself to be an unlikely missionary, but her life story certainly reflects an obedience to do what God has directed her to do wherever she is called to do it. She is the author of a book entitled Great Commission Adventures, Real-Life Encounters of an Unlikely Missionary. Here now from that recent Meeting House conversation is Rebecca Friday. I want to really think about that phrase now, unlikely missionary. Why or how do you regard yourself in that way? Well, I, I 
push the panic button really quickly. <laughs> I'm, uh, <laughs> I, I'm not like the most fearless person you've ever known. I, I, I usually like do the things I do, even though I'm scared about doing them. I, I'm not a brave pioneering woman type at all. And, so, and actually, I think all of us are kind of unlikely, the more, I, the more I thought about that. But really, nobody would have picked me to do what I've been doing over my summer vacations for the past couple of decades. And so basically, you've been involved in short-term missions trips somewhere around two dozen or, or exactly 24 trips mainly or all <laughs> in, in Central America. Is that right? Yes, actually, before I got to Central America, I did an additional two trips to Tijuana, which was also an eye-opener. Yeah. And um, it's I, I think it's something that everyone who's capable of doing should do it because you come back and you realize we kind of live in Disneyland. The rest of the world um, does not live the, in the lap of luxury like we do here in the United States. And as you went to these various trips, so basically 24 to, to Central America, Guatemala, Honduras, I believe you've also been to others, perhaps? El Salvador and Belize. Yeah. So what did you find were some common threads among the people to whom you were ministering in those areas? Well, you know, the word that comes in my mind is oppressed because the, you know, and I, I think it's a common knowledge that the government in in Central America is corrupt beyond belief. There's so much fallout on the people because the politicians are not there to serve the people. They're there to serve themselves and make themselves wealthy. And I, I'm sure there must be exceptions, but it's the, the corruption is, is horrible. Uh, women and children are especially vulnerable because homicides and domestic violence uh, are, are well, less than 25% are even investigated. And they have about a 5% prosecution rate for violent crimes. How does the church step into that, that sort of situation? Well, you know, I, there are so many missionaries who go there. Usually when I go on the plane, there are teams with teachers saying what church they came from. And, and people are coming at it from several different angles. The church that I attend, uh, on actually the island of Roatan, just off the coast of Honduras, is is where I have been mostly working the last several years, and they have so many outreaches. Uh, you know, the drug problem is just crazy, and so they have a rehab uh, home for people who want to get uh, get off of drugs and and clean up their lives. Um, they have a ministry to throughout that area. They have people who live or make a living off scrounging through the dumps. So they have a ministry to the the people who live at the dumps. Like uh, one thing that they're doing now that they're advertising for is they're raising money to buy backpacks and school uniforms for the kids because even though school is mandatory, uh, there are kids who don't go to school because their parents are so poor they can't afford to buy uniforms. And uniforms are required for the schools. They have outreaches for women um, uh, who, for the most part, raise their children alone. The majority of the, the couples don't marry, and the women uh, have that full responsibility. Um, just uh, so, so many outreaches. There are a lot of people going there, dentists and doctors, because there's not any kind of affordable health care for the people 
Although on Roatan, there is a wonderful American lady named Miss Peggy who's opened up a clinic so people can come there and, and get get help. But, you know, there's only so much that, you know, even a small clinic can do. Um, I, the, a point that I made in my book is I think um, there needs to be more discipling of Christians because I, I think that if, if they were to really focus on uh, kind of like a Tony Perkins kind of thing, raising up Christians to be like police officers, because there's so much, so many problems with dishonesty and corruption there, and and to, to really be a guardian guardians of the people, um, and and to run for political office and bring salt and light into just a vastly corrupt political system. Rebecca Friday here on this edition of The Intersection. You can learn more through the publisher's website, Nordskog, that's N-O-R-D-S-K-O-G, publishing.com. We are nearing the end of this week's edition of The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House, and you can find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org. Through the Meeting House homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center where you can listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection podcast and the Meeting House program. You can also find links to the podcast, to the Media Center, as well as its Apple podcast feed. Plus, you can find links to video content and to two blogs. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community. There's also The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Conversations can also be found through the Faith Radio app and a variety of podcast platforms. Just search for Faith Radio Podcast when you visit Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, and other podcast platforms. Well, thanks for joining me for this edition of the Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.